right, all right. Welcome everyone to TLC. Good to see you guys. What a beautiful fall day. Yes, yes. You guys look lovely as usual. We are going to get right into it. We are in a series called Making Room for Jesus. This series is really designed with one intention in mind. The design of it is in the midst of your distraction, in the midst of your busyness of life, in the midst of what you do, right, how do you make room for Jesus to be part of it? See, we're, we're seeking to be game changers. I want you guys to be people who are actually going to take this beautiful message that we have and actually uh, change the trajectory of the lives of those around you. But oftentimes we get caught up in our, our personal distractions, our, 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 um, the way our, our work, our school, our families. We get distracted in such a way where we actually sweep God under the rug and we bring him out whenever there is convenience there. And so the series is really built with this in mind. Like every area of your life, every situation which you go through, how do you make room for Jesus? And the big answer to this, honestly, is coming down with the answer of do you have an identity in him? It's going back to your personal identity. If you know who you are in him, if you know that you are his child, his son, his daughter, he is the driving force of your reality, then all of a sudden the things you think about, whether you are at home, whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're with family, right? It's driven by him. It's identity in him. Last week we talked about sex, right? The sexual ethics. When we are caught up in a very sexually open world, right? A very sexually promiscuous world. How do we begin to make room for Jesus in the midst of sexuality? And so oftentimes in the church, church gets a bad rap because, um, you know, they kind of just uh, simplify it. So uh, we, we simplify this idea of sex, only in marriage. That's it. Okay? And when, we, when you make it like that, of course it sounds kind of like restrictive. Of course it sounds kind of like boring. Of course it sounds kind of like messed up. But sexuality, we learned, was it's so much more. Sexuality is this spiritual oneness that comes out of the human spirit, right? Sex, because humans were more than just physical, was physical and spiritual. And if you engage in sex, you're engaged in this, this, this coming together and becoming one in spirit. And so your, your body is trying to commit itself physically as well. And so when you engage in sex, but there's no commitment physically on the outside of that, it actually begins to rip and tear you apart. Right? Oftentimes we would do something like this. You say, let's have sex and then figure out whether that's gonna we're able to commit to each other. Right? Like, what are you waiting for? Are you, like, trying to figure out if she can do Cirque du Soleil or something? Like, what are you, what are you waiting for that you're, you're trying to figure out after sex, I will figure out if I can commit to this person. Right? The spirit of it is this. You commit, and then you allow sex to reinforce and renew that commitment all each time. That's why we, when we say have sex in marriage, it's such a beautiful thing. Because in marriage, what you've done with two people is that you are saying to, the, to each other, I'm committed to you financially, emotionally, spiritually. My time is your time. My house, your house. Who I am becomes who you are. You represent me just as much as I represent you. And as we make the vows before God in the house of God, before his people, right, we remember these things. And then sex comes in as a reminder, as a joy of, oh, yeah, I remember that beautiful commitment I made to you. We get it backwards. We engage in sex first, and we're thinking, I don't know if I can commit. And then sex comes in, and it's already binded you guys together. And when you rip it apart, you find yourself broken, a little emptier, a little more lost, right? Some of you guys are, are the products of it, right? Angry, bitter, distant, 
shallow, hardened, right? So we, we talked about sex. So just today, um, we're going to talk about a very cool topic. I mean, some of you guys are pretty interested in it, I think, right? It's talk, this topic of singleness, okay? In the midst of my singleness, how do I make room for Jesus, right? Some of y'all are like, yes, this is my message. I've waited freaking months for this message to come out. I knew it was in Corinthians. This is my message. Tony preached to me, okay? To hold up. You may not like this message. What I'm just saying, right? Singleness. How do I make room for Jesus in the midst of my singleness? And my hope for you today is three things, okay? I want you guys to figure out a couple things. Are you meant to be single or are you meant to be married? That's the first thing you got to be really clear about that. Secondly, if you are single, when's the right time to be married, right? And thirdly, if I'm single and I'm ready for marriage, what should I be thinking about, right? How should I actually prepare myself, okay? So first, married or single. Second, right, if I'm single, when's the right time to engage in marriage? And third, if I'm single and I'm ready for marriage, what should I be thinking about? You guys, get, you guys follow me? That's the, that's the flow which we're going to be going about today, okay? And this, this topic is actually, when I, when I talked about this a long time ago, it wasn't as, as, as prevalent. But for today, for some reason, it's, it's more prevalent to my heart. You know why? Because I talked to a lot of young ladies, a lot of young brothers throughout the seasons of this past few years being here at TLC. And one of the things that I keep hearing now is just, I'm just going to be single, PT. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not dogging you if you like that. I'm going to be single, don't got time for a man, don't got time for a woman. Nothing wrong with that. It's the reason behind it that bugs me, right? It's, it's the reason why you want to be single that bugs me. There's something, there's something missing in your idea of singleness. It's, it's a broken picture of singleness. So I want to make sure that at least... If you tell me you have the gift for singleness, which I don't think you guys do, right? None of you guys have it, right? If you have the gift, if you say you have the gift for singleness, let's figure out if you actually really have that gift today, right? And let's see whether it's, 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 a, it's a real gift or it's something that you just, out of your own selfishness, created for yourself, okay? Open your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And if you guys are married, you're thinking like, what? This, why? I should have just gone out. And hang out with my wife today. I have to come in this. No, this, this message is for you too. Trust me, okay? It's going to be good. You're going to realize all the stuff you did in the past. And you're like, oh, damn, that's why, right? Because um, I, I screwed up now. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 8 through 9, then verse 25 to 38. Let's, let's start 8 through 9 first, okay? 8 through 9, check this out. Chapter 7, 8 through now. Now, oh, 7, through, 7 through 9, sorry. Chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 7 through 9 first, okay? 7 through 9. Hang in there. It's coming up. It's coming up. 1 Corinthians 7. Oh, it's not coming up? All right. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 through 9. There it is. I wish that all men were as I am. This is Paul speaking, right? And then he's talking about in terms of being single. But each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift. Another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. All right, let's, let's start with that. Let's bow our heads, let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your word today. Lord, I ask that as we begin to really unravel this, this picture and this gift of singleness, Lord, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to see uh, where we are at in relationship to you. Help us, Father God, to have a clarity of vision and direction when we move towards this. Help us to approach this, this topic with with, um, with you being the driving force, with you being our identity, with you, Father God, 
being the one who speaks to us. So, Father, I pray that you would open our ears, open our hearts, bring conviction to our lives today. pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Paul starts off in verse 7. He says, I wish that all men were as I am, a single man, he says. I wish that all men was that. But each man has his own gift from God. So the first thing he talks about is, here I am, I'm a single man, but not every man is like me, right? Every man has their own gift. He sees singleness and he sees marriage both as a gift, okay, as a gift from God. One man has this, one man has the other, okay? Marriage or singleness. Now, Paul says this, Paul says, aim for marriage, we should desire marriage, not singleness, unless you have the gift for singleness. You guys get me? So the first question I ask is, is married or single? Where should I be, PT? Like, where do I fall on this line of of life? Should I be married or should I be single? And Paul is saying, singleness is a gift, marriage is a gift, okay? And so the way you approach them has to be approached both with a gift. And Paul is saying, if you cannot control your passions in verse 8 to 9 he says um but verse 9 if they cannot control themselves they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion if you can't control yourself this always leads to what this always leads to other issues sexual sins that comes up right escapism anywhere that you do right but verse 7 paul is saying this some people have this actual gift of singleness how many of you guys think you guys have the gift of singleness raise your hand Oh, my Lord. Put your hand down. You're about to get married, you fool, right? You know, how many of you guys really think you have the gift of singleness? Some of you guys are scared to raise your hands. I really want it. But for some reason, I feel like PT is going to, like, you know, like, put me down here. I am. All right, listen. Verse 7. Some people have the gift to have no emotional struggle, no restlessness when it comes to having a relationship. They have no problems with that. They have no issues with that either. And, And then they're... The lack of issues, they want to capitalize their, the beauty of singleness to do great things for the Lord. Okay? So check this out. Singleness is a gift from God given so that you may do great things for the Lord. Singleness is a gift from God so that you may do great things for the Lord. Not many people have this gift. How do I know? Right? Because oftentimes you say... I want to be single, PT, and the reason why is because, one, it's a selfish spirit. I want to explore. I want to do my thing. I want to be the best version of me. I want, to, um, uh, I want to live my best life now. I want to have my personal thing now, right? It's a selfish spirit, You're, or you have an inability to make friendships. You just can't deal with another pe- person, so, like, I don't want to have to even be in that situation. Or you have a hatred for the opposite sex for whatever reason, Okay? And so you say, I have this gift of singleness. No, you do not have this gift of singleness. If you engage in singleness with this mindset where it's about me, then what you're really cultivating here is a spirit of selfishness. How many of you guys can't stand selfish people? Right? Me too. I can't. It's one of my biggest vices. Like, I, I can handle it in non-believers, in Christians, I just rattle my brain. Like, how can, how can it be? Right? And yet... You know you hate this, and yet somehow in your own personal life, you're willing to cultivate this for yourself. Sometimes it blows my brain, this generation. You guys are so passionate about what you want, but then you cannot even see that you're doing the very exact same thing that you hate. You're cultivating a spirit of selfishness when you engage in singleness about yourself. It's not about you. Marriage is not about you. 
Marriage is always for the other person. Marriage is always in giving to the other person. And so you think singleness is going to be about you? No, singleness is always giving to another, but not to another human being, but to God. So if you tell me I have the gift of singleness, I have the stability for it, PT. I don't need a woman. I don't need a man, right? I'm independent. I'm self-reliant. I can do this. That's it. That's all it is because you are all for yourself. A person who is gifted in singleness has a mindset and has a spirit to capitalize their singleness for God. Is that you? Right? Some of you guys are like, nope, gift of singleness, not there, right? Right away, you know? 100%. So you, so you need to be honest with yourself about this, okay? I'm, I'm, just be honest with yourself when it comes to this situation. Are you honestly gifted in singleness or do you simply want to be single for yourself? Are you gifted in singleness that he has given you the ability to, you have no emotional struggle, no need for a relationship, no need for a connection with another person because God has gifted you with the ability to connect to him in an intimate way. That your desire, your time, your want for your personal life, that you want to give this one life that you have for God's purpose. Has he given you that gift? Or simply you want to be single because you don't want to commit, you don't want to deal, you just want to play around, you want to have fun, you want to be you. There's a difference. One is built from selfishness, one is built from identity in Jesus. You guys get me? Right? So you got to ask yourself, PT, oh yeah, you asked me, like, you know, ask yourself, right? Am I good at being a virgin? Right? Some of you will say, no, PT, I am not. I cannot even fathom the idea of me living and dying as a virgin. Right? If that is you, guess what? Your trajectory is not singleness, okay? Your trajectory is marriage. So Paul is saying this, if you're going to burn with passion, get married. Okay, now I know you guys are thinking like, oh, hey, oh, PT. If you leave this service and all you heard was this, I can't control myself, so PT says, get married, okay? If you hear that, you've got the wrong message, okay? Because I'm going I'm 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 to lay it down for you guys. Bible says, if you're Meant to be, if you are in a drive, if, if you cannot find yourself able to stay single, then your trajectory is marriage. If you find yourself unable to stay alone and have no struggles with that, you have plenty of struggles, then you are, traje- you are moving towards marriage. But here, let's listen to me, okay? Marriage, if, that, if you know that that's you, okay? If you, let's just stay there. If you know that's you, let's just be honest. Be that's, that's who I am. I cannot stay a virgin, um, I, need, I need to, I cannot think about, I can't even fathom the idea, it's going to blow my brains, right? Then my trajectory is marriage. Should I just go out and get married right away? Of course not, right? Because marriage is made for men, not boys, right? Ooh, shots fired, right? right? Mar- marriage is made for women, not girls, okay? If you know that that's your trajectory, if you know, especially in that area, then this is what God is saying. It's time to grow up. This is the moment that you tell me, let me be a part of your life to move you, to change you, to grow you into the man, into the woman I have called you to be. If you recognize at this very moment I'm not gifted in singleness, that my life cannot be dedicated, Lord, fully with my time, my energy to you in that such a way, I'm moving towards marriage, my purpose towards marriage, then God is saying, okay, if you acknowledge that, then it's time to grow. It's time to allow for me to change you. 
It's time for you to surrender and let me do this, right? It's time for you to start thinking the bigger picture. It's time for you to start thinking, hey, you know what? I can't just sleep with anything that breathes. That anything that anyone who tells me they love me, I can't just go to bed with them, right? There has to be something more. Right? I have to start thinking about deeper things, not just my present circumstances. You got to start growing up and not just feeding anything that you want whenever it is. You got to start thinking bigger. You got to start thinking about the essence of marriage and how it creates stability. You're looking at your life right now and say, I know I'm supposed to move towards marriage because I can't stay single, but I'm still flipping burgers, right? Nothing wrong with McDonald's, right? But if you're flipping it at 50 years old and you're living with your mom, there's a problem there, right? There's an issue there. You realize, I need to get the right education. I need to get the career going. I need to stop flipping burgers at the age of 30. You got to grow up. It's cute when you're in high school and you got a job and you're able to, like, you know, pay for gas and stuff like that. All the girls are like, oh, my gosh, he's so, like. But, you know, when you're older, no girl's going to be like, look at that man. <laughs> McDonald's. Man, my man works at McDonald's. You know, nothing wrong, again, nothing wrong with McDonald's. There's certain circumstances. I don't want to dog it. But, you know, overall picture, right? You got to start thinking about the essence of marriage, how it means that it's going to take sacrifice. That, that my life, it means it's going to have to give up things. It might have to cost me something. So I need to develop the culture in my heart about what it means to sacrifice. You see, what, you see this, this moment? Right? If you recognize this is where you're going, God is saying, okay, give me the chance to teach you what sacrifice looks like. Let me cultivate selflessness in your spirit. Give me the chance to move that in you. Stop running and doing it yourself. Give me the chance to take you on a trajectory for your career, your education, where you're meant to be. Instead of being stuck in one spot, not committed to anything. Give me a chance to challenge you to go further. See, if you are not gifted in singleness, which is basically to live my life to serve God, then you are directed towards marriage. And if that's the case, why aren't you growing up? Why aren't you growing to the men that you were supposed to be, to the women you're supposed to be. Paul's saying this, if you can't stay single, rather than burn with passion and letting yourself slip, right, think about marriage. But as you pursue marriage, as you pursue the idea of marriage, or take it, right, you have to take all of which marriage entails, which means you have to grow up. You have to grow up. You can't stay a guy forever. You can't stay a dude forever. You can't extend your 20s till your 40s, right? You can't, you can't have, you know, weekend warriors every weekend until you're 50. It's just, just, no, okay? God is saying it's time to grow up. You guys get me, right? Marriage or singleness? Marriage or singleness? Some of you guys say, I'm single, PT. I'm gifted in it. Okay, great. I love it. Okay, that's the case, praise the Lord. But let me ask you the question. Do you really sense in your life that you're, you want to stay single because you want to spend your whole life gifted to God? Or, or, do you really want to stay single just because you don't want to deal with another person in a relationship? Right? Again, one is driven by you, which drives to selfishness. The other one is driven by Jesus, which drives to glory. Are you really single, gifted? Some of you guys... So no, I'm not, I'm not, not gifted in singleness. I will be honest. I'll be real with you. Cannot stay a virgin forever. Okay, PT. 
awesome, right? Then it's time to grow up. Time to grow up. Get into marriage. Think about marriage. You guys get me? It's to think about marriage. Now, if you're 18 and you're telling me you have a stable job, right, which I don't, which I don't believe, but you have, you're 18, you have a stable job, you provide an environment of stability for your family, you're mature enough, right, and he says, PT, I want to marry. Honestly, right, if such a person occurs in my lifetime, right, I would, you know, technically I would say, you know, yeah, I think you can. I think you're able to, you know. The Asian me would be like, no, nah, man, you got to get a little older, right? But, you know, God's word to me says, hey, look, I think you're ready, right? A lot of, a lot of the people in the old days, they got married a lot younger, obviously because they died earlier. But one of the big reasons is, right, they suffered more too. They suffered a lot. And then their suffering, they matured deeply. They knew what it meant to take care of their families. They knew what it meant to create stability. They knew that if they don't create stability, people die. They live on that cusp of it all the time. So the maturity level, they're, they're growing up, happened really quick. They didn't have the time to discover themselves, right? They didn't have the time to figure out what they want in life, right? They just grew up. And so if you're on the trajectory, and you know you're on the trajectory of marriage, you got to ask, am I really growing up? My walk. I'm, not just talk, I'm, not, I'm just bagging on the guys too. Like girls are just as bad nowadays. It's like horrible, right? Are you seeking for stability? Right? Are you seeking to give, practice the spirit of giving up or letting go or, or counting the cost right? or giving up your right? Okay? Marriage or singleness? You guys follow me? Right? Right now, where do you guys think you're at? Marriage or singleness? Look at your face. You're like, damn. Right? Like, grow up. What is going on here? Okay? Pretty sure a lot of you guys are marriage style. I mean, maybe one of you hidden somewhere or are single, right? Uh, gifted in that. Who knows? Here's the next question. If I'm going to be single, PT, but I want to pursue marriage, when is the right time? How do I know what's the right time for it? Yeah? Right? Some of you guys thinking I'm single? When is the right time for me to actually pursue marriage, PT? All right, check this out. Verses 25 to 28. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of this present crisis, this is his wisdom he's saying, because of this present crisis, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are, virgin, single, is what he's saying. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. For those who will marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this, okay? If I'm single, is now the best time for me to get married. It's not the best time for me to pursue marriage, okay? For the Christians back in Paul's days, they were facing two main problems, two main things. He said present circumstances, right? What were the present circumstances that the Christians back then were facing? The first one was there was a severe, appeal, there was a severe famine engulfing the Mediterranean. There was riots that was going on. There was poverty. Um, the, the culture was messed up. There was just people on the streets dying. It was a bad state for that place, and so in that sense, he's saying, I don't think it's wise for you to get married because now you're binding yourself to somebody. Now together you have to deal with this, this situation. You have to share in that burden. You have to deal with that. It's going to be hard to commit to that. It's going to be hard to put your kids into that environment and to raise them up in that environment. Okay? But the second main thing that was messed up in that time was that the Emperor Nero was persecuting Christians. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Gladiators? 
right? Are you not entertained? That movie, right? You know, that when he was in the Coliseum, when he was in the Coliseum, there was, a, there was a scene that was cut out of the actual movie. The scene was, you remember the scene when he fought the tigers? You know, when the tigers came out, they were, like, he was chasing them? Yeah. That, right before that scene, in the cut scene, the lead scenes, they saw, what we saw was a um, Coliseum, tigers were unleashed, and there was a, a woman holding her baby, and the tigers was given to them, right? The woman and the baby, usually that's how they killed Christians back then. They would put them into Coliseum as a massacre, right? They would have the tigers kill them, okay? And so... Paul is saying, if you have a family, that's the state that you will put your family in. That's the constant state you will put your family in, right? Nero is persecuting you. Worst that can happen, you will be killed. Your wife will be raped. Your daughter will will be sold as prostitutes. Your sons will be slaves, right? That's actually the best case scenario. Worst case, I mean, the best case scenario is you just die, right? They'll just kill you on the spot. So Paul's saying that's the environment that you're in right now. You have to consider this when you are going to pursue marriage. That's why he says for virgins, just stay that way. You're going to get into marriage. You're going to have all this, and you might lose your husband tomorrow. You might have a baby, and your baby might be dead before it's even finished this whole month with you. Can that be? Just I'd rather you just stay single. But it's not wrong whether you marry or not, but it's, the times are tough, okay? But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to you to spare this. It's not the marry like, you know, because marriage sucks and everything's horrible that you're going to face troubles. The troubles is the present circumstances around you, okay? So what Paul is saying is this. If I'm single, it's now the best time. The thing you have to ask yourself is this. The context for which you live in right now, is it the best time for you to engage in marriage, right? Context. So, for example, an example, you're... You're devoted to your studies. You're trying to get your PhD. You're constantly studying. You're in the library all the time or you're getting your master's and you just have no time to deal with a relationship. You have no time to commit to someone, right? You have no time to even create that. It's not a good time for you to think about relationships. It's not a good time for you to think about your um, significant other. Maybe you have a crazy day. You finish school. You're done, but you owe about 200K. You owe a mortgage, right? You're basically a walking house, right, payment, you know? And if you marry someone, guess what's going to happen? That person takes on your debt. So if you happen to die three days, or I'm sure there's a, there's a period of long, but if you happen to die in the issue of marriage, your husband or your wife just inherited your debt, right? Just hang on that for one for a second, okay? I'm telling you this right now. I didn't figure this out until after I was married, okay? Right, figure this one out right now. You, your, your husband and your wife will have your debt with you. Maybe you're thinking, maybe I should lower the debt a little bit. You know, I want to love them. I want them to die with me before I get into marriage. Look at the context. Or maybe, maybe your work forces you to travel. You're constantly on the go. You're unstable, right? You're, 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 you're going from one city to the next city. You're at home in your house for maybe a month at most. Maybe it's not time to be seeing someone or to actually engage in relationships. So, so some of you guys, you're thinking, that's it. There it is, PT. You just told me my life. I plan to be a working woman, a working man. I plan to live and travel and see the world. I plan to be busy my whole entire life. I should not get married. No, that's not what I said, okay? I said those are the contexts by which you should not be married. But if that is your context, that is where you're at, Okay? As a single person, listen, if that happens to be you as a single person, you're caught up in your studies, you're caught up in your work, there's debt that, that you need to deal with, right? 
if that is you as a single person, we're going to read up later on, you still have one specific thing, that in your singleness, your time is for the Lord. Does that make sense? Your singleness is not about your time for you again. It's still not about you. You can't say my job is in the way or my, 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 my debt is in the way or the situations in my school is in the way. That time that you have is still for the Lord. And so the question you have to ask is if I'm going to choose not to be married at this time, what will I do with my singleness for God? Not let me just get through this so that I can figure out what's next for me. You guys get the difference? A lot of us, we say that. Let me just get through this season I'll figure out what's next for me. God is saying no. In this season, while you are caught up with all this stuff and you have no time for another person, giving yourself to another person, give yourself to me. Give yourself to me. Devote yourself to me. Use the time that I have given to you for me. You don't get an excuse to get out of it as a single person. All right? So if you're single, is now the best time for you? Is now the best time? You got to look at the context. Maybe it's not the best time for you. But here's the thing. If it's not the best time for you, don't be flirting with girls. Don't be trying to hit up a dude. Don't be leading a guy on. Don't be leading a girl on. Right? If you chose this time, I'm single. Don't have time for a relationship. But hey, girl, like let's, uh, I don't know how to do it. You guys don't use phones anymore, right? <laughs> hey, girl, right? How you doing, you know? Don't be, don't, don't be flirting. Don't be leading them on. Don't pretend like, you know, you, you are a single person. You can do whatever you want. Right? Look at the context. Check this out. Verse 29 and 35. <clears throat> what I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, remember when you had, you did not have your wife around with you? What did you do with your time? Hopefully, he was talking to Christians like, you devoted it to me. Remember that time? Remember that time when you, before your wife came into your life when you were distracted? Now you have to like really care for them and make sure they live and they're fed and, they're fed and everything's taken care of, right? Remember that time? You lived as if you were single. You devoted your time to me. And he's saying here, brothers, from now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Meaning he's saying, go back to your identity. Remember that even in your marriage life, you were supposed to devote your time to me. Verse 30, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if they were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, from this world in this present time is forth passing away. Okay? I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affair, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affair. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can, be, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in the right way, undivided devotion to the Lord. So what Paul is saying here, here you are, you're married, and the excuse often that married people give is like, I don't have time for God, the best I can do is show up on Sundays. Right? And if you're a single person, you say, I don't have time for God, I just need to do my own thing. But Paul is saying, I'd rather you be single, because if you're, remember when you were single, what did you do as a believer? You devoted your time to me. You gave your time unto me. My time, your time was for my work. 
He's saying, I'm not trying to restrict you, but I want you to live a way that's undivided devotion to the Lord. So you have to ask yourself, if I'm single, is now the right time for me? And the answer is, check your context whether you are ready to get married. But even if you are married, whether you're married or you're single, what you should be thinking about is that your time should be undivided towards God. See, if you're married, your time is, oftentimes it's what happens. Your wife and your kids, they take up your time. They take up your money, right? I remember when I was in uh, my, my old church, the boys, you know, I mean, these kids for some reason had like no families or whatever, like, they, or the families didn't care about them because they would call me at like, random times of night. They said, let's go hang out, right? Two o'clock in the morning, you say, PT, um, Albert Taco's run right now. And I'll be like, all right, I'll see you in a little bit, right? 2 a.m., you know, if someone y'all call me 2 a.m., say, Albert Taco run. I'm like, dude, you got the wrong number, right? Right? doesn't work that way anymore because you're married. It doesn't have time. You know, uh, it'll be time to be like, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning. Hey, PT, my boyfriend left me in the middle of San Diego. Can you come and get me? I'll see you in two hours, right? Now I'll be like, I'll check into the hotel. Honestly, I have no time to come down there right now, right? Seriously. There are things you can do when you're single that you can't do when you're married because your time is divided. Your energy is divided. But Paul is saying this. What should you do with your time? Now is, t- now, is now the right time. Whatever situation you're at, if you're a single person and you find yourself just caught up in a very bad situation, that's okay. Whatever you're distracted by, whatever is keeping you busy, still remember your time belongs to him. It should be for him. That even in your studies, in your work, it's for him. Not make the excuse that it's about you. And how about I got to figure out my life first and stuff like that. He says, your time is still for me. Do you trust me in that? And if you're married, if you're married, he's saying, remember when you, were un- when you were not married, you were devoted to me. Continue to be devoted to me. Live as if you are still unmarried. Live as if my kingdom still means something to you. Live as if my legacy that you're trying to build is still for you. Right? Don't live distracted. How often do we see married couples, when they get married, they no longer show up because they're distracted. They're, they, they got their own thing. They're busy with life. They, don't want to, they can't serve anymore, or they can't give their time to God anymore. When, yet they, when they're single, they're all over the place doing their thing, and then marriage happens, it all stops. God says, why should it stop? You should still be serving. You should still be giving. You should still be thinking about my kingdom. Devoted to me. You guys get me so far? Right? Two things. If I'm single, when is the right time? Check the context. Maybe it's not time for you to get married. Maybe you're in a state that's not good for you. But even in that single state, devotion should be to God. Time should be given to God, right? Figure it out. And even if you're married, he says, it should still be mine. You should live as if you're not married. We live and harness the culture of your family where it's together, you're one now, living for my kingdom. The way you run your family, the way you deal with your family should be for my kingdom, okay? Ask God, is this the season, okay? What is it you have to teach me? And what is it you would have me do? That's all it is. All right, so first thing, married or single? I need you guys to figure that out real fast. Are you meant for marriage? Are you meant for singleness? Unless God has given you this amazing gift. And I say it amazing because only very few people have it. I thought my youth pastor had it, right? Because homie was, I thought, like, there's no, no woman would ever love this man, right? And, right? But he did not have this gift. I knew he didn't have this gift because even when I was in high school, dude was talking about, like, um, all of these um, 
all these uh, actresses, like he, like, he wanted to marry them. I'm like, dude, like, why would you talk about them like that? He's like, the same, man. Like, it's like, but you're gifted for singleness. Like, yeah, 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 I guess, right? Just because you say you are, right, doesn't mean that you really are, okay? You got to decide. Are you, gifted for, are, you, are you gifted in singleness? And if you are, which, how you know that is very simple. God puts it on your heart, my life for Jesus. That's it, right? Otherwise, your trajectory is marriage, to be with somebody. And if your trajectory is to be with somebody, okay, you got to, everybody say, grow up. Look at the person next to you and say, you got to grow up. Look at the single person that you have next to you and say, grow up. You got to grow up, all right? Okay. <laughs> so here, here's this. Here's the third point. Here's the third point, okay? Let's say you're a single person and you're thinking about marriage. What should your, what do you need to be thinking then? If you're thinking about marriage, you're single, you're like, my trajectory is marriage. How should I frame my thinking? Okay, look at verse 36, 38. Check this out. If anyone thinks he is acting improperly towards the virgin he is engaged to, and if she is getting along in years and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sitting. They should get married. But the man who has settled in the matter in his heart and mind, who is under no compulsion but has control of his own will, who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does even better. Okay? What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, if you are going to be single and you're going to pursue marriage, you should know what you want and make a decision. Am I going to be with her or am I not going to be with her? Am I going to be with him or am I not going to be with him? Make a decision and let it happen. Okay? The, the best phrase nowadays is like, you know, we're just, we're just together. We're going to see how it goes. All right? See how it See what happens. You know, we're just having fun. We're just gonna see how it happens. Whatever happens, or something like this. Some guys, right? Some guys would string a girl along for years, right? For years, so the girl will ask him, "Hey, so what do you want? What do you want to do? What is this?" What's the answer always? Oh, I don't know. See, how often y'all say that, right? I don't know. I don't know. Right? You spent your whole entire time pursuing her. You fought like you know dragons for her, right? You broke down all the other, like, possible mates, and you finally have her willing to be with you, and she asks you, so what is this? And you have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Right? How foolish is that? And Paul is saying, make a decision. Are you going to marry her? And if you're not, it's okay. Let someone else love her. Let her go. But the worst thing you can do is be that wishy-washy, like, I don't know. Right? You lack courage. You lack vision, you lack clarity. And this is a double-edged sword too. So all you ladies are like, yeah, you tell them, PT, freaking A. But sometimes they'll be like, look, this is where I want. I'm thinking about marriage. You're like, no, stop. You're, you're smothering me. Like, I can't take it, right? You're like, this is too much. Like, why? Like, you barely, we barely even know each other. We've been together like for a year and a half. Like, there's so much more to discover. Let's figure things out more, you know? Like, don't talk about marriage. Same people who are like, I want to know what he wants. And at the same time, we say, I, I'm going to tell you what I want. It's like, no, let's just figure things out, right? He, but we, this is what we want to figure out towards marriage. Mm, I don't know. No. Paul's saying, make a decision. What do you want? What do you want? You going to marry? Are you going to be with her? If you're not going to be with her, then leave her. 
the worst thing you can do is string them around, right? And the, re- the reason, brothers, listen to me. The reason why you string people around is you lack vision. You lack vision and you lack clarity. And even more, you don't even know your identity. And so you're trying to figure, you're trying, you're trying to keep her around so that you can feel some sort of closeness, but you have no idea what to do with it. You have no idea what to do because you lack the ability to see further. And you're afraid to let go because you're not, you're, and you should be afraid because second chance doesn't come often, right? You're afraid to let go. You're afraid, but you're not, but, but, you, won't, but you won't commit to a single thing because you lack the ability to say, this is where we're going. This is what's going to happen. This is the trajectory we're on. Are you okay with that? If not, it's okay. Let's just be friends. Okay? If you're thinking, PT, I am fit for singleness, I've considered the situation and the issues, and I think this is my season of singleness. I am going to be a single person. Praise the Lord, right? Use your singleness for God, but don't be flirting, right? Don't be leading girls on. Don't be leading guys on. Don't be, like, you know, think, making them think that there's something there when there is nothing there, right? Don't be think, don't, don't ha- let them believe that they have a chance when you know in your heart there is zero chance that it's ever going to happen. But you don't want to say it out loud because you're thinking, like, if I commit to that, what is this, right? If you're going to stay single, if you want to commit to singleness, then commit to it in a way that says, I'm going to pursue God. I will pursue God. Okay? If you're thinking, I want to get married, PT, it's my time, I want to get married. Great. Grow up. It's time to grow up, right? Get a job. Know Jesus, okay? <laughs> what do you do if you're a single person and you're thinking about marriage? So one, make a decision. Make a decision. In a relationship, are we going to actually pursue this for something or are we just going to like dance around here for ages? Some of you, some of you ladies, you're thinking, I'm, I'm, but I'm so afraid to commit because what if like, and, like, if I commit, like, that's it, right? Can you, do you believe that God can make him the one, honestly, right? Do you believe that God can actually create in your future spouse the characteristic that you want, right? Secondly, about this, what do I think about marriage? Don't allow yourself deep emotional involvement with a non-believing person, okay? I know that sounds very narrow. It's like PT. That sounds, that's not... This is, this is why I say this, because oftentimes our sisters would say something like this, and I hate it, but it's, sometimes it's true, right? They're like, there's no godly man in our church, PT. Where are they? They, they don't exist anymore. So I got to go for the second best, right, the non-godly one, but with all the right characteristics. He's perfect minus the fact that he does not know Jesus, right? I love it. It's, it's the best I can do. Like, it's not my fault all the guys suck at TLC, right? I got to go and find somewhere else. You hear that all the time. I, at least I hear it all the time, right? And you get emotionally involved in that. You get emotionally involved in this. If you're a single person and you're pursuing marriage, can I tell you, please kick that out of your mind, right? Do you not believe that the God who created the whole universe, who took sand and made a man, cannot make for you a man, <laughs> cannot bring to you someone who is going to honor and love you, Right? He's out there. He might be in a different country. You don't know that, right? Start traveling a little more, right? Spend your singleness for Jesus and you figure it out, right? You're stuck in one spot. That's why you all don't even know, right? 
See, listen, if you do this, though, but can I tell you, let me break down some wisdom for you. If you pursue a relationship with a non-believing person, okay, right, I'm not going to be upset. Of course, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be worried. I'm going to be like, I'm not so sure because I'm not sure if they're able to change. I don't know if there's a foundation in their life. They might come to church for you. They might even come to small groups for you, right? But what happens when the commitment is there? What happens when it's time to commit, right? Will they do that or are they kind of just like, oh, I'm done with this, right? What would happen? If Jesus is central to you, then that means that your partner will never understand you. If Jesus is truly central to your heart, and you marry someone who does not have him, he will never understand you, at least not deeply. And you will never be able to share with him all of who you are. You will never be able to, he will never be able to fathom all of you. Because there's one core part of you that he can never touch. is your faith and your love for Jesus Christ. And it will always be a mystery for him. Okay? And if, if, if marriage is about intimacy and vulnerability... Okay? then you, you started your marriage not having vulnerability or intimacy. Because you'll talk about it and then you know, he'll get annoyed. Because right? two things will happen. First thing is like this. You lose your, your ability to be transparent with him. Because let's say you start talking about Jesus stuff, right? You start talking about ministry. You start talking about how um, this is the music I listen to. Or this is the things I do. You know, this is the reason why I give. Right? Sometimes when you, when you marry your non-believing husband or wife, Guess what? Their money is now your money. And if, they're, if you're the one tithing their money too, they're like, what in the world? Why are we giving all of that, right? Like, isn't just like give whatever we think is good? Like, why are we giving so generous? But you're like, dude, you know what Jesus did for you? He died for you, right? We're, we're generous because of who, what, how generous he is to us. Say, whoa, 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 he died for you, right? Why don't you give your tithing? Why are you going to take my money for it? It's going to be issues. And so what do you do? You kind of sweep it under the rug. You, you stop being transparent. You stop connecting to them because you're afraid that they're going to be annoyed, right? You're afraid that they're going to be offended. And so rather than deal with another fight, you sweep transparency. You, you, begin, to be, uh, you, be, you begin to not be transparent with your significant other. Or secondly, you move Christ out of your central part of your life. Where once you were single, where once you dedicated your time, your energy, your heart to serving God, to serving his people, serving his children, to teach, to uh, Bible study, to do all those things, investing your time in people, right? Now, as a married person, you can't. You're just happy if your husband shows up to church, right? That's like a win for you. Like, yes, you used to like convert people on the streets, and now it's like, finally he showed up, thank the Lord, right? Like, guys, what is going on here? You, go, you went backwards. Right? You lose Jesus as central to your life because now you have to make your spouse central to your life. So if you're a single person and you're thinking about marriage, can I tell you, can I give you just the wisdom of that? It's hard enough to be married to a Christian. Right? It's hard enough to be married to a believer, let alone a non-believer. Why would you even put yourself in that position for? Okay? I know some of you are but you don't know, PT. They'll change. They'll, they'll They'll, 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 they'll accept it. They'll do what I asked them to do, right? So two things from that. I mean, a couple of things from that. Right? One, like who's leading who, right? Two, okay, will they really change? I've seen so many situations. I have wisdom. This is, not, this is not the rule. It's not the fact, but this is wisdom. I've seen so many situations. When that, I'm a married non-believer. Things don't go great. He's coming out. But then the marriage commitment is there. 
He doesn't change. Or she doesn't change. Right? If you're single, what should I be thinking when it comes to marriage? You should be thinking, make a decision. You should make a decision. I shouldn't be dancing around with this. Make a decision. Know where I'm going. Two, right? Don't commit myself to a non-believer. Okay? It's going to be hard. It's hard. It's hard, man. I'm not saying it's easy. Am I saying that's the rule? Does not work out? Of course, there's exceptions all over the place, okay? Right? But just because there's exceptions to the rule doesn't mean that you will become the exception, right? I don't know. Maybe you can be, but would you really want to tempt fate that way, right? Or tempt God that way? I don't want to, right? But here's the third thing. Don't let, don't let things get too passionate too quickly. Okay? If you're a single person and you're pursuit of marriage and you're, you're dating someone, you're courting someone, or you're seeing, I don't know all these phrases that you guys use nowadays, okay? Uh, you're, you're, you're with somebody, right? Key is, don't let things get too passionate too quickly, okay? You know why? Right? When you get too passionate too quickly, one main problem comes up every single time. Your eyes get blinded. You can't see them anymore. You guys realize that? When you get too passionate too quickly, you can't see the red flags. Everyone else around you can see the red flags, but for some reason, you cannot see the red flags, right? When you begin to, like, if, if, if you get um, passionate in terms of, you know, sexu- you get uh, sexually active too quickly, right, or you're emotionally invested too much or too deeply into this, you won't be able to see the red flags in their lives. You won't be able to see their character, you won't be able to see what's going on behind the scenes. You won't be able to see who they are because you're blinded. Of course, you're, this is what you'll say. No, you don't get it. It's not because he's selfish or dark or evil, right? He's just a tortured soul, right? He's a tortured soul. You don't know his past. If you knew his, if you knew his story, you would totally understand him. You would totally understand why he's doing it. Yeah, I give you that for sure. But still, there's a red flag. You should see it. You're seeing it wrong, PT, right? You're not seeing it correctly, right? He's generous with his money. He's, he's, he's all, he lists all of these personal qualities you apparently can see or make up because you want to see it, okay? And then what happens? What happens when the emotions fade? And they always fade, okay? When the emotions fade and you, di- and, you, and you decide to see each other for like three years, right? Now you're still stuck together because... You can't make a decision, or he can't make a decision, or you can't make a decision where, where you want to go. What happens now, okay? All of a sudden, your, he's a tortured soul, turns into like, what the heck is wrong with him, right? Like he's, he's, a, he's just um, misunderstood, right? He's, and you're thinking like, dude, when, will be he, when, when is he going to become a man? What's wrong with this guy, right? You start asking all of these questions that starts coming up because now your heart is bitter, you're a little bit more hostile to it. You're gonna, uh, and if you're like a control freak, you're going you're gonna to try to mold him now. You're going to try to force him to be this person that you want him to be, right? Force his circumstances. And if he's a pushover, right, he's definitely going to do it because he's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. So let me just tell you what to do, right? And you start molding that. Deep love, guys, deep love grows from a comprehensive attraction to the person's character. To their future and to their mission in life. Okay? I know some of you ladies are thinking there's no godly man in this church. All I'm asking is 
just look at his trajectory, right? Is it moving towards godliness? If it is, that's maybe a win, okay? If he's stuck and not going anywhere, you're right. Probably that's, just leave him alone, okay? Jesus still needs to work on him, you know? But deep love, deep, real love. If I ask you for the qualities that you want in a husband, I, I, I'll never hear selfish, ungrateful, right? Hateful, hurtful. I'll never hear those, those qualities, right? I'll hear kind, patient, communicative, loving. Right? You hear all those positive characteristics, okay? But those things are developed when you have an, a comprehensive attraction comprehensive attraction to their character, their future, and their mission in life. That's how you grow to them. So how do you develop that? You have to enter into their world. You have to see them interact with their people. You have to see them interact with their church, even if they have a church to interact with, right? If they don't, that's probably a sign already, right? Red flag. You have to see who they are behind the scenes. I remember I had this girl in my old church. She's like, PT, man. I found him. I'm like, no, you haven't, right? So I found PT, like, the only flaw I can see in him is that he's probably too good for me. I'm like, he's in high school. There is no such guy that like that in his existence. I know that for a fact. He's generous. He's a Christian. He cares, right? He's attentive to my needs, right? He's, look, at, look he's well, it's good. I said, look, how about, he's going, he's going to missions with us, right? He's in a different church. He's going to missions with us, right? So AC's like, yeah. All right, why don't you just observe him? Okay, observe him in the mission field. Ten days, right? And then come back and ask me and tell me whether that's still true. Ten days. And you know, first time in AZ Mission, this guy didn't know. He didn't know. AZ Mission will break you, right? It will break your spirit, you know? It's not, it's not, it's not the type of mission where you can go there and be like wishy-washy, you know? You can go there and it will break you real fast. And what she saw within ten days, right? She saw... Um, that he was selfish. She saw that he complained and whined about every situation that came up. He didn't whine out loud because he didn't dare to because Pastor Mick would probably kill him, right? So he did it in secret. Like, you're like, damn, I hate this sucks, you know? Try to find a situation to get out of everything he did. He wasn't responsible because the heat was just too much for him, right? He wasn't attentive because waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning, right, apparently ruined his whole entire day so he couldn't work after that. While everyone else was doing their thing. And she found out later he was simply, he wasn't generous. He just used money as a way to buy his way through things. Right? And so when she saw that, I said, like, is he, like, too good for you now? She's like, maybe not. I said, yeah, that's a good answer. You got to see them in the field. You got to see them for who they are. Right? Um, so if you're a single person, if you're a single person, guys, listen, if you're a single person, you're thinking about marriage, what should you be thinking about? You're thinking, am I going to commit to this person or not? Worst thing you can do is say, I'm single, I'm going to stay that way, PT, I'm good. And don't flirt. Don't lead girls on, don't make them pretend, don't pretend like they, they are, uh, they are something that you know that they're not. Same thing with girls. Don't lead guys on. Don't string them along. Don't make them think that you have an attraction or uh, because you just want them around just because you don't want to be alone for the weekends or the holidays, right? You're scared to be alone during those seasons because it's cold, right? Don't, 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 don't drag them along. If you're going to stay single, stay single. Paul's saying that. He's very clear about this. He says, look, whether if you're married, you're good. If you don't, you're still good. 
But you got to make a decision. If you decide, I'm going to marry, then it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up into this thing, right? Sisters, brothers, if you're going to look for someone who is someone to marry at this season, right, first thing you got to do is you don't, don't get too passionate too quickly in your relationship because you, you, you bind yourself to them, and then you find yourself unable to see the situation around them. You know what you should do instead? Ask the people around you. Ask the people you love. Ask the people who loves you. It's like asking for their opinion. Ask them for their advice. Ask married couples. You know what? Our married couples in our church, you know, we, we all, everyone started off kind of rocky. But I think we got to a place where we can at least answer some fundamental questions about relationships for you guys. Right? We have a little bit of wisdom. You know, married for maybe like less than five years or so. But we, I think we have enough wisdom to tell you there's red flags. Okay? But you should ask. Instead of trying to like, I got this. I know what I want. I know what I'm doing. I can figure this out, right? Be wise. Ask. You know, the second time I, uh, when I broke up with Trisha the first time, right, it was horrible because, you know, I got into the relationship really quickly. Right? I was, not, I was, she was an unbeliever at that time. We broke up, and then she came back. And I was like, this is it. You know, I should just pursue this, right? This is God giving them to me. I'm all focused on it. But then I said, I'm going to be wiser about this, you know? So I, I spent like a month just asking people, like, hey, man, look, this is the situation. What do you think? Like, tell me honestly. I'll listen. If you say no, no, right? Tell me what you think. Tell me if you see something I can't see, right? Show me the red flags. Show me there. And they did. They showed me those things. I was like, what do you think? And, and when, they said the, when they gave the go, I'm like, okay, right? Honest people in my life. And I have, I have, one tendency I have is this. If I, if I place you in, t- in an area of trust and honesty, if you tell me that it's a no, whether I Feel it or not, I'm going to trust you, right? Because you probably see something I cannot see. In the same way, we got brothers and sisters here in our church, older brothers, older mentors here in this church, who knows. And you, I know, feel like you know a lot of stuff in yourself too. That's great. But there are wisdom that can be given to you. There are things that they see that you cannot see, right? Trust. Come in and ask. Deal with that, Okay? How do I make room for Jesus in my singleness? Okay. First thing you got to do, figure it out. Am I gifted in marriage or am I gifted for singleness? Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there. I'm going to throw it on a whim. I don't think out of all of us here, 80, maybe one. Like you're still figuring out if you're gifted for singleness, right? Maybe one of you guys are gifted for that. Okay. Because if you are gifted for that, your heart is saying this life, one life for Jesus Christ. One life for Jesus Christ. There's no desire for it. Nothing else. That's hard. It's hard, right? But if you are pursuing marriage, you know that you cannot stay a virgin. You, you cannot even think about the idea of never sleeping with a woman or a man, right? And God says, grow up. Give me your life. Let me change it. Let me mold it. Let me shape it. Give me your life so that I can do with it as I've called. Stop trying to live your best life now. Stop trying to be that single, free spirit person. You're just being selfish. You're just cultivating a spirit of selfishness. And I know you hate selfishness. That's that's the funniest thing to me. I know you hate it, and yet you cultivate it for your own personal life. It's all about you still. Singleness for yourself leads to destruction. Singleness for God's glory leads to glory. Right? What do you think about? In your singleness, even in your marriage life, Paul is saying, if you are married, 
Live as if you are still not married. Remember your undivided devotion to me when you were single. Cultivate that within your marriage still. If you are single, cultivate that still in your, mar- I mean, in your singleness. Undivided devotion to me. Use your singleness for me. Some of you guys, you can go off to missions for a year, right, and serve people for many years. If I leave for more than 14 days, she will kill me, right? I'll come back without a family or something, you know? It's true. I don't have that gift. I don't have that freedom, but you do. Some of you guys have the time where you can invest in someone's life deeply, not in a shallow way, but in actual deep, personal, intimate way. Why don't you use your singleness for that? Some of you guys have a singleness when you can use your, your money and, and, and the work that you have for God's purpose and for God's glory. You're able to fund and do things that most people can't fund and do. Why don't you use your singleness for that? Rather than keep saying, I'm busy, I have so much work, I'm so tired, it's all about me. I get you're busy, I get you're tired, right? That's life, guys. You want to be busy and tired for the rest of your life. The key is, do you remember your identity to drive you saying, in the midst of my busyness, God's glory. In the midst of my tiredness, God's glory. In the midst of what I'm doing, God's purpose. Right? Whether you're married or whether you're single. And if you're single and you're pursuing marriage, church, if you're single and you're pursuing marriage, make a decision. Don't be, don't be, don't be the man in this culture where it's all about holding off. Not having clarity, not having the courage, not willing to make a commitment, not seeking to have vision. One of the biggest problems of today's men is that we lack vision in our life. Can you see that marriage can work in your life? Can you see that the ability, even if it's scary, that you're able to commit to it, knowing and trusting that God is going to work through that? Do you have that type of vision and courage? Are you willing to trust God and say, I'm not going to just jump at a non-believer just because I can't find a believing husband or believing man? And are you willing, church, are you willing to take the time and figure out this person fully before you commit to anything deeply, okay? Use your singleness for God. Make room for God in the midst of your singleness, right? Jesus was single, yes? He was single. You know why? Because he devoted his whole entire life to the work of Jesus, or to the work of God, his father, to the cross. Paul was single, Yes? You know why? Because he devoted his whole entire life to make sure that you one day will know the gospel that will be spread across the world. There are people who are gifted in singleness, and there are people who are not. And if you are gifted in it, praise the Lord. Right? I cannot wait to see what God will do through you. If you are not gifted in singleness, praise the Lord. Because I cannot imagine what God, I can, I can only imagine what God will do through you in your marriage life. But pursue it faithfully. Amen? All right, let's pray. Your love is out.